Amen. Amen. I am really so excited to be here today, continuing our series on the resurrection effect. You know, I believe that God has a word for each one of us today. And even as I was praying this morning uh, at the 8 a.m. corporate prayer that Shiloh has before the service, the Lord showed me a picture in the spirit, and I saw hooks coming down. They were like fishing hooks, and they were on fishing wire. And I saw that it was a, an opportunity for each one of us today to even allow the hook of the Lord to begin to come into our hearts. And even as I saw that, I saw that people even had other hooks that were already in their hearts. But today is a day that God will even remove them if you so desire, and he'll place his own hook within your heart. I saw even a seed that, you know, there's a seed today that I believe is in his word that if we allow God to plant it in our hearts, we're going to see fruit from it for the rest of our lives. So today I'm going to talk about being empowered to live for Christ. You know, I take walking in Christ really seriously. You know, when I look at the scriptures, and you all know I'm a person of the word. And the reason why is, is because there's truth in it. I like to see, I believe what it says. I like to see what it is that God is speaking because I believe it's in his word that he begins to mold us and he begins to change us. And so even as I began to ask the Lord, well, what would you have me to share on this? I began to think about how Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection, before his ascension. And he spoke to them. And in Acts 1, chapter 8, it says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You know, I look at that and I say, well, Lord, I want to see that. That word is to us. That word is to me. That word is to you. That we are able to have the Holy Spirit power come on us. And you know, in John's gospel, the apostle John writes about it. He talks about where various people encountered Jesus. And it says that many did not receive him. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. But it says in verse 12 of John chapter 1, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And oh, just the cry began to rise up in my spirit that we would be those who today receive him fully. You know, I was talking to Pastor Noja before the service began or maybe worship had began, and I was reminded even of that scripture where it talks about Jesus, you know, God in the flesh. And it says that he went to those who were familiar with him, and it says that he could perform no miracles because they did not have the faith to receive him. You see, I believe that Jesus is coming, but we have a choice. Are we going to take hold of everything 
that he says to us. And I just so desperately want to see the Lord in his fullness move within my life. You know, when the Lord showed me those hooks this morning, I put a hand over my heart and I said, oh Lord, put that hook in my heart. Lead me wherever it is that you want me to go. Let there be a performance of all that you have spoken, Lord. And so as I prayed and prepared, the Lord just spoke to me that we really desperately need the breath of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit. And I just my mind was quickened with Ezekiel chapter 37. And I want to read this to you because I think it's so key to what I want to talk about today. In Ezekiel 37 verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And so I've titled this message today, Prophesy upon these bones. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm saying, Lord, let your word just prophesy to me. Lord, cause there not to be a dryness, cause there not to be anything that would lack life that he wants us as believers to have in this hour. He's come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. He's not come that we would just say, well, I've got this ticket to heaven. I'm all set. You know, life is not all that great, or maybe it is, but, you know, we forget. No, he's come for this purpose. I just see that he's coming and he's visiting us, that he's in our midst, but we've got to take hold of it. And, you know, just as I read this scripture in Ezekiel, I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking each one of us, are you dry today? And if you're dry, allow just the word of the Lord to prophesy to your bones. There's a scripture in Psalm 24, and I felt the Lord say this is so key for what he wants to do today. And I know we don't have long, and I'm going to be quick, but I want you to understand I believe it's an important hour. I believe he's going to change things in our lives if we would so desire. In Psalm 24, verse 6 and 7, it says, this is Jacob. You know, that speaks of the people of God. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. I believe he's asking us even today. We are the gates. We are the doors. That we would just posture ourselves and say, Lord, come on in. Come on in fully. Come on in. And you're going to see how this is manifested in that which we're going to take a look at today. Because it's a powerful thing to be a follower 
of Jesus. You know, all of the Old Testament prophets prophesied of it. If I had time, I'd go into a verse that says, even the angels in heaven desire to look into the amazing things that God has laid out for us, his people. But what I want to do today is look at a man in the New Testament who was radically saved, and he lived his life empowered for the Lord. I want that in my life. You know, I see these things, and like I said, I've always been a Book of Acts person. It's like, no, I want to see this manifested. It's like, if we don't see it manifested, I am not going to go, well, that's okay. I feel like, no, it's not okay. We want to see this, the power and the demonstration by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so the person we're going to look at today is Paul. You know him, the Apostle Paul. Um, he wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament. We can read of many of his mighty acts in the book of Acts. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. But, you know, I look at it and I say, well, how did that happen? Was he just amazing from the get-go? Did he always have something ready to roll? What was this? I asked myself, can I be like him? Can we be like him? Can we walk in the same... You know, it's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit. We're living in the same day or era as he was. And so I say, well, Lord, can we do this? Can we walk? So I, I want to look at his story today and see what the Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would quicken your word to us, Lord God. Lord, that it would bring life to us. It would bring change, Lord. Lord, that it would put that hook in our heart and get rid of any hooks that should not be there. Lord, we just ask that your word would come, Lord God, just as a seed, Lord, and let it come forth 100-fold in Jesus' name. Amen. So the story of Paul begins in Acts chapter 8 with the story of Stephen, who was a deacon, his martyrdom. And actually, the death of Stephen was really only the beginning of all of the persecution that came against the church because the church was moving in power. And so persecution came because it was shaking the earth. And so we see in Acts 8 that Paul, whose name at the time was Saul, is first mentioned. So Acts 8, verse 1, it says, and Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you already know this story. But if you don't know the story, and all you know about is the Apostle Paul, and you drive down streets, and there's churches named after him, you go, wow, this guy's amazing. But all of a sudden, our first glance at him is, what? He's consenting to the martyrdom of a believer? But yes, that's what he's doing. And it says, and at that time... There was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men, you know, believers, Christians, carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and dragging men and women and committed them to prison. You know, this phrase, made havoc, actually speaks of an act of a ferocious animal. You see, this was beyond a job for Saul. This was an obsession. This was like he was just 
dedicated to see the church destroyed. And it goes on and it says in verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, you know, I note that word, that first word in verse 4, which is therefore. You know, that's wild. I mean, I'm talking about living empowered for the Lord. That they're under persecution. They saw Stephen killed. They see this guy Saul, and he's dragging everybody out and acting like a ferocious animal. But the answer is, therefore, they that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I mean, it's powerful. They weren't deterred. They were committed even more. They were determined even more. Yeah, this was really the beginning of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That they, you know, that all power was given to Jesus in heaven and in earth. And then he said, therefore, you go out and you preach to all nations. You know, you might ask yourself, well, how did we expect that to happen? I don't think they thought it was going to be through persecution, but that's what happened. Because all sorts of things happen in our lives, but none of them are big enough to be an obstacle to prevent us from living empowered for the Lord. And so Saul's story goes on in Acts 9. And verse 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. I mean, this is wild. This guy is crazy. This guy is just literally his life breath is that church thing. Those believers in Jesus need to come down. And if you haven't read it before, the entire chapter of Acts 9 is the story of Saul's amazing turnaround. In fact, it happens in three chapters of the book of Acts. Acts 9, Acts 20, and Acts 26, where his story is recounted. Why? Because the Lord wants us to understand that each one of us is a candidate for a complete turnaround story. Whatever your situation is this morning, I am here to say, I believe this is the word of the Lord, that we are in a turnaround season. That things, no matter what they are, no matter what you came in with, when you leave, it can be completely different. And so in verse 2, we read more. It says, and Saul desired of the high priest's letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. So he's asking for permission. They were like um, just a, a ticket that said, I'm rightfully doing this by the powers that be. So he's gone to the high priest, gotten these permission slips, says that if Saul found any of this way, meaning the believers in Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was going to arrest them. He has the permission to do that. And it says, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. You know, I want you to know that this morning or afternoon now, we are in an as we journeyed time. Are we going to allow the Lord to come and touch us in such a profound way that everything we had set out earlier today might be completely changed? And it says, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, you see, Saul was a great Pharisee. I mean, he knew the whole law. He, you know, would tell you he kept the whole thing. He was just really schooled in everything. 
but he's encountered God on the road to Damascus, and what's his question? He says, who are you, Lord? You see, he had an idea of who God was, but God was coming to say, I'm not who you thought I was. You see, I believe that we have got to be in a Romans 12 type of moment where we are not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. I believe, even as we can be believers, maybe some of you are not, and today's your day to come to the Lord, but even we as believers can put God in a box. We can say, here's who God is, here's how he works, I've been to many services, this is how it rolls, this is what we're going to do. Wait a minute. God can show up. And we need to be open to say, Lord, (laughs) tell me more about you. That maybe you aren't exactly pigeonholed the way I, I thought you were. But that God is the God of possibilities. He's the God who suddenly shows up. And so here he is. And he's saying, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You see, Saul was a passionate persecutor. It was his job. I mean, can you imagine? You're paid to persecute the church. And so here he is. Everything is changing. He's totally surprised. I've been completely wrong. And he said in verse 6, it says, And Saul trembling and astonished. And this is a key for us today. Said, Lord, what will you have me to do? You see, I believe that the Lord is coming to us today. You're going to see there's three things. And the first one is that he wants us to be in a posture where we say, Lord, what would you have me do? Not what do I plan to do. Not what have I slated on my agenda to do, but that we would be those who would say, as we encounter the living God, Lord, what would you have me to do? And it says that the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. You see, not everybody's going to get what God speaks to you. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight. And neither did he eat or drink. You see, the glory of God came and gave him a supernatural blindness so that he could understand the man with all the agendas, the man with all of his own purposes, how spiritually blind he actually was. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and this brings us to my second point. And there's only three. It's going to be quick. But it's the word of the Lord. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and here it is, And Ananias said, Behold, I am here, Lord. You see, the first thing is, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the second thing is, Behold, I am here, Lord. I'm here. Put your hook in me. 
take me where you want. You know, we sang that song. I forget which one it was, but I heard the words where it said, you know, let me go like the wind wherever, you know, lead me like you lead the wind. You see, God is looking for a people in this hour. When we look at the book of Acts, he had a people in that hour who said, Lord, here I am. Lord, what would you have me to do? It's a secret to the power of walking in the power is when we lay down our own agendas and we say, God, I just want to do your purposes. I just want to do that, which you have called me to. And the Lord said to Ananias, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. I mean, Saul has only been a Christian from one to three days, because at the end of three days, he encounters Ananias. And he understands his life was turned topsy-turvy, Everything he believed was wrong. He's now encountered Jesus, and so he's praying. He's saying, Lord, help me. What am I going to do? You see, prayer is effectual. It's a key to our empowerment. You know, we can't just do things in our own strength. The Bible tells us it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. We've got to be those who begin to search him and encounter him. And so we read in verse 12, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, and he says, And this Saul person has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. I mean, Saul is praying. I believe it was part of what caused Ananias to have a revelation, to have a vision. And he's seeing, you know, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, saying, Saul is seeing a vision, and he sees you, Ananias. I mean, can you imagine? Are there people that if we would begin to really pray, if we would begin to really step forward, that they would even have visions that we are going to come and touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I don't know about you, but I look at all of this in the book of Acts and I say, well, it can't just be for them. It's for us too. It's for us too. It's for us too. We can pray and we can ask the Lord to move mightily. That's why he's saying, open wide, you gates. Open wide, you doors. And let the king of glory come in. And so he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord... I've heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. I mean, Saul was the chief persecutor, so all the believers knew, stay clear of Saul. He's a bad guy. And so, you know, Ananias is trying to explain this to the Lord. And here Saul has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, and this is it, but the Lord said to him. You see, we can have all sorts of ideas in our head, and they're okay to have. But you see, when we talk to the Lord in prayer, when God begins to speak to us in his word, some of the things that we have thought and declared are wrong. They're wrong. But you see, 
Ananias had said, behold, Lord, here I am. And he meant it. He was sincere. You see, when we say to the Lord, behold, here I am, then we're saying, Lord, I'm open for change. I'm open for you to begin to transform my mind, that you're going to renew it, and I'm going to see some things a little bit differently. And so he says, you know, he's done all these things to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way. You told me, Ananias, behold, I'm here. Then the Lord has the right to say, okay, you're on a task for me now. And he says, for Saul is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Lord just revealed Paul's great destiny to Ananias because Ananias had a cry in his heart that said, Lord, behold, I am here. You see, God wants to reveal people's destinies to you. God wants to make you key in bringing people forth. But first we have to say, Lord, I lay down my agenda. I lay down the things I thought. Lord, behold, I am here. And so the Lord goes on in verse 16. He says, for I will show Saul how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And we actually see throughout the scriptures how true that was. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul recounts it to the church of Corinth. He says, I've been beaten, I've been whipped, I've been in shipwrecks three times, I've been hungry. I mean, he goes through all these things. He says, I've been in perils in the city, I've been in perils in the desert. All of these different things, because why? He wanted them to know, I've been empowered to live for Christ. It doesn't matter. He talks about it in Acts chapter 20. This is years later from what we're reading in Acts chapter 9. But he recounts how the Holy Spirit would prophesy through people over him. And every time it was a testimony of, Paul, prison awaits you. Paul, really difficult persecution is coming on you. But what he says is, and I love this. Because we need to remember this. Maybe there's four things today. Because we need to know this too. He says, but none of these things move me. Can we be a people who says, but none of these things move me? Not a doctor's report. Not a person who looks at us funny. Not an account from the enemy that tries to destroy your faith. Not difficulties. None of those things. Can we say, but none of these things move me. And Ananias went his way. Amen. We can also do it. Amen. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Okay, let's look at what he says, because this is pretty extraordinary. The man who has the authority to kill him, the man who has the authority to arrest him, and this man's been doing it. But Ananias is faithful to the call of God on his life, and he goes, and what does he say? He puts his hands on Saul, and he says, brother 
Saul. He believed every word that the Lord had spoken to him, despite how crazy it all sounded. You see, God wants us to be a people who receive the word of the Lord. And we allow that seed to come in and to bring forth fruit. And it says, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you in the way, Ananias is speaking to Saul, as you came as sent me, that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from Saul's eyes as it had been scales. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes we say, oh, we want to see signs and wonders. And we do. But you know what? Signs and wonders don't happen in a vacuum. They happen when we follow what the Lord says. When we're willing to say, whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go where you send me, Lord. Then we begin to see. And so immediately... Saul's eyes are healed, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And right away, immediately, he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Oh, this reminds me so much of John chapter 4, when Jesus met the woman at the well. And you know the story, how she had five husbands, and she was living in adultery, and all these different things were going on. But she perceived that she had encountered the living God. And so she goes back to her city. Look, this is a woman, I mean, women all along back then weren't respected, but she particularly wasn't respected. But she had a burning message in her heart. She goes back to the city, and it says the whole city listened to her. And they came out to find Jesus. You see, Paul did the same thing here. Immediately, he's healed, and he says, okay then. I thought I was coming to arrest everybody, kill everybody, but now I'm one of you. And so now I'm going to begin to preach. He had a message. You see, God is asking us today, do you have a burning message? Do you have a message? You see, that's why he's saying, allow the word of the Lord to prophesy to your bones. That we might live, that we might have the breath of God within our spirits. That we would no longer be dry. You see, I just even heard in my spirit Jeremiah 29, 20 verse 9, where he says, you know what? Your word is like a fire that shut up in my bones. We've got to be those who have a message, who have a fire, who are ready to do. And it says, this is awesome. It says in verse 21, but all that heard Saul were amazed. And said, is not this he who destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came here for that intent, that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews, which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. You know, my prayer that my life, your life, all of our lives would be such that everyone we come across would be amazed. Not because we're so amazing, but because the Jesus within us is so amazing. That there is nothing that holds him back. That because we've said, behold, I am here, and Lord, what would you have me to do? And also, and none of these things move me, that we would be those who are out there with a burning message that would touch the earth in the same way that the disciples in the book of Acts did. And it says in verse 23, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Of course they did. 
you know, sometimes I think we have to ask ourselves the reverse. If everything is like, everybody loves our message, and, you know, they're just like happy to have us anywhere, you know, it's a little bit confusing. I mean, I'm not saying we want to go and upset everybody just because we like to upset everybody. But you see, the power that comes in the gospel, at times it's the power of salvation to all of those who believe. But there's also going to be a set who don't like it. And so those who didn't like what Saul was doing. Now, many, many, many got saved. You know, almost all of the New Testament Gentile churches were started by the Apostle Paul. They were so excited to hear the message, but there were many who didn't like it. And that's what we see even in the book of Acts, that, okay, he had started by being the chief persecutor ready to kill people, and he was consenting to Stephen's death, but now they wanted to kill him. You see, we need to ask ourselves if everything, you know, the enemy is just pretty much happy with us, you know, then we need to say, maybe I've got a bunch of dry bones, and that the Lord wants to breathe his life on me again. Verse 24, but their laying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Sure, they had a great difficulty because just a few days ago, he was killing them. But I want you to see, and this is the fourth and final thing, but Barnabas. I mean, we've had a lot of interesting people here. We've got Saul with an encounter with God. Lord, what would you have me do? We've got Ananias also encountering the Lord, saying, behold, I am here. And we've got now Barnabas. They're all living empowered for the Lord. You see, our ministries might be different from one another, but we all need to live empowered for the Lord. And it says, but Barnabas took him, took Saul under his wings, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how Saul had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly because he had a message that was burning in his bones. He preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Oh, that we could be Barnabases in this hour. You see, we want to bring people forth. We don't want to be an obstacle. When people come in, when they look like they're not all polished and ready to go, whoever would have thought Saul would become one of the biggest and best and most amazing Christians ever? But if Barnabas hadn't brought him in, who knows what would have happened, right? Who knows what could have come down at that point because they might not have accepted him. So we've got to be those who take people under our wings and we begin. And, you know, the story of Barnabas is amazing because we see it happening many times with many different people. And it says in verse 28, and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. I mean, he ultimately was fully accepted amongst the disciples, became one of the leading apostles. I mean, that alone is just a tremendous miracle. Getting along is not a minor thing. Getting along and receiving one another is a tremendous miracle. And if we are not able to do that, then I don't believe we're going to see the fullness of God in our midst. 
And in verse 29, we're coming to the conclusion, Saul spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to kill him. He had a bold message. We need a bold message. It's evidence of really an encounter, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. You see, you can read about all sorts of evangelism plans, but I want you to know what I believe the real evangelism plan is. It's when there's the manifest presence of God in our midst. It's when we are consumed with the word of God. It's when each one of us has a fire within our bones and we're boldly proclaiming the gospel everywhere that we go. I believe that that causes the great multiplication. I'm going to ask the altar workers to come forward. And if um, the, maybe John, the keyboard player, and um, Demetra and Pastor Lonnie could come. You know, so we've got Acts chapter 9 as this miraculous story. But you know what? I believe each one of us stars in our own Acts chapter 9. We each need to have an encounter that completely changes us. And, you know, today, if you don't know the Lord, when I call people forward for the altar call, in fact, everybody can stand up now. You need to come down and you need to give your heart to the Lord. But I believe that there's other ones here today who also are going to need to come down. Because this is a day where you say, Lord, I want to have that hook from you in me. I want to be one who, like Paul says, Lord, what should I do? What do you want me to do? That I would be one like Ananias who says, behold, here I am, Lord. That we would be like Paul later in his life, despite all the difficulty, say, but none of these things move me. That we would be these ones, like Barnabas, who would have faith to stand alongside people. I believe he wants to do this. I just feel the stirring in my spirit that we would be those who would prophesy to our own bones and say, Lord, cause them to live once again. To live empowered for Jesus, to really walk in the resurrection effect, I believe, is what he desires for us. And that we would hear the word of the Lord in our lives, that we would be the generation, as we saw in the Psalms, that would seek him, that would open up our gates, our doors, and say, Lord, come on in, be fully here, that we would be those who just love his appearing.